So, about two weeks ago, it was a Monday evening, there was a big breaking news story that everyone was talking about, and the news was that the Supreme Court of the United States, it was leaked, is preparing to issue a decision, an unprecedented or precedent overturning decision that will change the map dramatically. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, okay. So I assume most of you, all of you know what I'm talking about. And that's, of course, with, re with uh, regard to the question of the legality of abortion. <clears throat> so ever since 1973, there's a Supreme Court decision that applies across the entire United States that solidified this right, the right to perform an abortion, and prevents any laws from being uh, passed against it. And now it looks like they're going to eliminate this right, and once that's the case, so many conservative-leaning states will rush, will hurry, or will automatically uh, institute various limitations, some more, uh, you know, I don't want to use the word extreme, we're not taking sides here, so some going further than others. As uh, all the uh, news outlets and opinion outlets have been going on uh, at length about ever since then. Why am I mentioning all of this? Because this is a topic that I don't want to speak about. And that was always my, uh, my feeling about this topic. Mainly because it's a very, to me, it's a very well-known, well-trodden halachic discussion. And I don't usually like to talk about subjects when all the sources and all the ideas are all pretty well-known and there for the picking for anyone who's interested in looking it up. But just this past Shabbos, some asked me, knew is going to be a share on this topic. You know, there are other shiurim already came out in the last two weeks. So, that's even more of a reason not to be interested. But then I thought to myself, maybe we can find some other aspect of this discussion that's been focused on less. So, here, here goes the following. <clears throat> Before I continue to the topic that I do want to discuss... I do feel that it's probably right to summarize the topic we're not discussing. So just in short, I assume, I hope, you know generally, we know that abortion is prohibited for Jews, but it's seemingly not treated as tantamount to murder. Whereas benayach, non-Jews, halachas, nerag, are put to death for killing a fetus, which is an interesting twist. Of course, all of this for both is we're referring to after 40 days elapse from the moment of conception, which today would be the equivalent, more or less, to when the heartbeat begins, the heartbeat is detected, etc., etc. On the other hand, we know generally that according to Allah, we will perform an abortion, we will kill the fetus if it seems to be to pose a threat to the mother. Now in the last few hundred years, and particularly in the last 100 years, so now you have all the contemporary modern day questions. What do you do in a case where the, where the fetus is a mamzer, etc.? Or like in, in other words, rape, incest. What if there isn't a direct threat to the mother's health? Maybe there's a 
a doubtful threat, potential threat. What if the what if the fetus is, has some terrible disease? It's never going to make it. It's never going to survive into adulthood or even past a few years or a few days. What about those? So this discussion in recent Paiskim finds itself hinging on the fundamental question that everyone has, which is, is abortion murder? Does abortion equal murder? Or not? Another way of asking the question is, is a fetus a person? Or not? So, if you know the raid, so you should know, everyone knows, Igris Moshe says abortion is murder. He's very machmer. The Tzitzeliezer essentially says abortion is not murder. He's makel in some of these uh, interesting cases. The question also loops around back to the Rambam, because when the Rambam explains why you can kill the Uber if there's a Sakana, he says the Uber is a Raidif, that's interesting terminology that implies seemingly, in most people's opinion, that the Rambam is attributing personhood and saying, but he's a Raidif. There might also be a Teres Chesed that gets quoted, where the Teres Chesed might make a distinction between, even after 40 days, between once the baby is viable towards the end of the pregnancy versus before. So you have all of these concepts essentially in halacha as well. And if you're interested in hearing more, so you can listen to the podcasts that uh, have been issued recently. I know Headlines had something about it. I know uh, Rabbi Dinnerman here in Karnaitz gave a sure about it. You can find it. I want to move on to also give a short overview of the the legal, the moral, the political debate. I don't know if we have any uh, sworn uh, political uh, operatives here in Kailo who have strong, very strong opinions about politics or who always follow the, the Psak Din of whoever, uh, whoever gives the Hashkafa on politics. If you have a very, very extremely strong opinion, maybe this isn't for you. But on the right, what we call the right, so the argument is simply, it's murder. It's not just murder, it's mass murder. It's on the scale of millions, many millions. Usually goes along with the argument that there is personhood, it is a person. It often seems to be tied to certain religious ideas, which specifically ties into perhaps Christianity, how Christianity understands certain psukim. So for example, you have the pasuk v'yatsu yeladeha, and there might be a different interpretation there than ours. It doesn't have to always be uh, based on religion, motivated by religion. There is, it is possible to come just from a scientific uh, angle. Heartbeat just explaining what's going on at every stage. I think also because we're able to peek in and see so much of the process more than ever before, a lot of people emotionally attach themselves to uh, an unborn child, which is a term that's used. And it's as if it's part of the family, it has a name to some. So that certainly is a factor as well. And you have those in this camp that go even further and they'll say, life begins at conception. And maybe we should even pass laws that uh, protect life from the moment of conception or even before conception. I don't know how often that's just a 
a threat from the other side, or sometimes it does seem like there are those who are in favor of something along, along those lines, against contraception. On the left, of course, totally not into any such language of personhood, murder. Sometimes you hear the term clump of cells thrown around to illustrate the opposite uh, view. And of course the big emphasis is on the woman's right to her body. We can't force a woman to carry something in her body that she doesn't wish to. And of course to emphasize that there are many situations which people become pregnant uh, against their will. They don't want a child at all, or at least not now. That's before you get to all the more extreme uh, scenarios of rape, etc., like we mentioned. And the right has different approaches to how they deal with these questions, depending on how far you're going with it. And the left will argue that those who put restrictions, even if they ostensibly carve out uh, uh, exceptions for particular situations, but the whole attitude here is trying to restrict and throw up uh, hurdles and roadblocks. So even in, in situations where it is justified or there, the, the, the ectopic pregnancy or other danger to the, to the mother or other scenarios like that will make it very difficult. I haven't, I haven't evaluated those claims myself. There are those who will also argue that even our community, the Frum, even the Haredi, the black hat community, if in un, some unfortunate situation, someone underage becomes pregnant, so, or even uh, a regular woman who doesn't have an immediate uh, physical uh, threat but is completely falling apart uh, emotionally, so uh, people will find their way and find the Ahater and the Medarach of the Tzitzel So that essentially means that laws like this would be more stringent Stringent against Yiddishkeit, according to Christianity, that's the uh, rhetorical argument you might hear. And that's beyond those who go around saying, well, you know, I personally hold like a Sitzeliezer. I don't know what everyone else is talking about. Sitzeliezer is right, taking sides. So I think that, I hope that uh, sums it up, sums up the topic we're not talking about. I hope I didn't miss anything important. And I assume that my personal opinion on this question doesn't particularly matter, so we'll skip that. So what, what I'm more interested in at the moment is what our attitude, what our approach should be towards the question of American legislation, laws in America, beyond laws that have an immediate, cause an immediate problem, interfere with our lives in an immediate way, but more generally, more broadly, more theoretically. To what extent are we involved? To what extent do we care? Assuming that we're trying to follow Torah and, and our Mercatus, not to the extent that we care because we just got into it and we think it's, uh, it's great. To what extent does Torah suggest that we should be involved in care? Now, if you think about it, this is really punked what the Rambam, the Shia Rambam is about today. We're finishing Rambam. Today is Zayin Chastes. Is literally touching on these issues. So then the Parakhas, the Ram begins talking about the Gertaishov. So this is idea, we have this agenda, we're trying to bend the whole world to observe the Shemitz Bhinayach. And then the Parakhas, the Ram goes and enumerates 
in some detail. And among other things, on Allah Dalit, the Ramah writes, Benayach Shaharak Nefesh, Afilu Ubar Bimei Imai, Naragalov. As we say, Klarveter. Pretty clear. And if you go through the parak, you see that how there's the death penalty for essentially everything uh, in that parak. So how is that how is that supposed to influence this discussion? When we come to ask, when we come to discuss, what should what the, the American law ought to be? Uh, you'd think that the discussion would start with the Rebbe. Because who do, who who greater than the Rebbe who made a campaign out of Shev Mitzvah B'nenayach. So, surely you'd expect that the Rebbe would have an opinion on relevant laws in the United States that are, that are relevant to the fulfillment, to performing, to observing Shev Mitzvah B'nenayach. No? But as far as I know, as of now, and I'm always I'm aware that there might always be more information out there that I'm not aware of yet, and I welcome uh, any ha'aris, but as far as I know, anyone I've asked so far, total silence from the Rebbe on this front. We know the Rebbe did acknowledge certain questions of legislation, generally in the context of positive uh, activities of Chabad, so public menorah, uh, prayer, or at least a moment of silence in schools, etc. We know the Rebbe addressed uh, prison, our, our perspective on, on imprisonment, incarceration, and other few other points like that. But on these big, seemingly fundamental questions, these very important laws, these central laws that affect how the whole country is being governed, and seemingly could affect whether we're more in line with Shemitzvah or less, you seemingly don't find anything from the Rebbe on the record, which is question. Now, when it comes to abortion specifically, for example, which we're touching on or working around, well, we know, of course, there are letters in Minas and the Rebbe. Now, before I continue with that thought, those Minas and the Rebbe, by the way, take us back to the previous discussion about how to, what's our view on abortion specifically. Because we find letters from the Rebbe, minus from the Rebbe in this context, where the Rebbe wrote to people trying to persuade them about the importance of continuing the pregnancy. And the Rebbe invokes the language of Ritzicha, you don't want to commit murder. I think in one of them, the Rebbe even makes a comparison to the Nazis, if I recall correctly. So can we conclude that the Rebbe is taking a side in that discussion? But then there might be others who, who might argue that say that. It's hard to bring proof from the Rebbe when the Rebbe, when the context is not halachic per se, the context is persuasion. Maybe when the Rebbe is trying to persuade someone, the Rebbe uses uh, strong, powerful language. And some who wish to make the, to argue the opposite, to argue against murder as being the Rebbe's uh, declared shitta, point is a sicha from Shabbos, Yud Beis Thomas, Tafshin Chav Beis, where the Rebbe Taka asks, why is this the halacha that a Benayach is killed and a Yid is not? It's printed in the Yisafist Lekut HaSichas Chelek Beis, Yud Beis Tamuz. The context there is that the Rebbe is explaining Yem Huledes, what the importance of a Yem Huledes is being born, including relative to the state that a, a fetus is in before it's born. So, after the whole explanation, the Rebbe concludes there and says, 
Now we understand the reason why Benayach is not a Ganadiyid. The difference between an Uber and a Nailad is, is that an Uber is not its own Metzius, it's a Tafel. Tafel to the mother, or a Tafel to the Metzius that will come soon. An Uber is not, is not there yet. So since it's all a Tafel, and the whole creation is on, is on behalf of Yisrael, so Ben Noyach, Ben Noyach is among the Tfelim, so gets killed for a, a dvar, for a Dover Tafel also. But a Yid, the Yid, his Metzius is the Iker, so it can't be that we would end the Yid's life on behalf of an Uber. The Uber is a Tafel, the Yid is an Iker, you can't eliminate an Iker on behalf of a Tafel. Mashainkin and Ben Presumably they're both Tafel to the uh, Iker Habriya. It's still Aser, because the Uber is the necessary preparation, the necessary step before you reach a Noilat, and you already have it Behalem, but Mis is only for something Inyan Shabagili. This is just a Tafel. It doesn't exactly sound like a ringing endorsement for uh, personhood. Okay, you can argue contrarily that the context here isn't Halachic either. Not Nagel Lamaisa, at least in the minus, the Rebbe was talking Lamaisa. Although the Rebbe does present it as explaining the two dinim. But with the information we have now, it looks like you can argue this endlessly. There isn't any way to fully conclude one way or the other. Anyway, again, that's not what we're actually here to discuss. The question isn't what the Rebbe wrote to this one or to that one. But did the Rebbe have an opinion, have a stance on the question of the law? As we said, the uh, Supreme Court decision was from 1973. It's a period in which the Rebbe was certainly uh, willing to address current events uh, in his talks. And uh, we don't, do we, find, do we find anything at the time? Does the Rebbe acknowledge this, uh, these events in any way? So I, I had this question. I went to look. And I actually did find from this period some kind of almost mysterious uh, mention. It looks like it might be connected or not. Maybe not. So Vayakel Amit Gimel, Shabbos Vayakel Amit Gimel, which comes out to March 73, which is about two months after the big decision. Move a sikh about Mir Yehudi. So we find in the record of what the Rebbe said, the Rebbe says that uh, lately there's a discussion about returning shtachim, portions of the land of Eretz Yisrael, because there are millions of Arabs there, and what are we going to do with them? Right? Presumably immediately after the Yom Kippur War, Sinai or whatever. At the same time, so there's a there's a population problem. What are we going to do with this huge population? At the same time, the agenda is to get Jewish women to have no more than one or two children. And then comes the following line. The Rebbe says, What that could possibly mean in a second. But why do you have to send uh, social workers or whatever to Sephardi young women to persuade them to suffice with one child with two children? Now, the context is clearly Eretz Yisrael. My problem is, is that, as far as I can find, I can tell, there was no discussion about a Chok HaPala in Eretz Yisrael at the time. And generally it seems that, aside for 
strict medical reasons. Abortion was pretty much banned in Eretz Yisrael, at least legally, at least formally, till 77, 78. Doesn't mean that they enforced it. And in fact, it could be on the contrary, but at least we're talking about a chok, the law, it seems like it was uh, forbidden, illegal. And then in 77, 78, then they really opened up the allowances. Possibly it was the influence of the United States. I've heard people say that laws spread throughout the world in the wake of uh, the decision here. But even then, even as of 77, 78, it wasn't a complete uh, unrestricted right. There still had to be a certain reason, a certain basis. From then you start hearing the uh, opposition of the front people, Haredim, as we'll get to soon. But I, I can't seem to find anything in Tafshin Lamed Gimel 73 about uh, any hot-button topic relating to Chokapala in Israel at the time. Maybe someone will come along and we'll be able to explain it. It's possible. In fact, I found on Knesset website that this law from 77, 78, so the, a law for a bill to become a law, there's a process, it can often take months or years, so they have it all uh, enumerated there, it started in 77, it advanced slowly in 75, 76, step by step, until 77. It's possible that if, if, the, law was, if the bill was already submitted in 74, so it would make sense that discussions surrounding it probably had begun earlier, but still sounds like the Rebbe is referring to an existing law. So is, there so, is this somehow some kind of derechagav, some kind of casual reference to the hot topic in the United States? And what does this statement even mean? Is this being said sincerely, or is this the Rebbe just being sharp and sarcastic? And even if it's sarcastic, can there be any sincerity in sarcasm? Well, anyway, that's the, it's interesting that there's this phrase whatever it might mean, two months after uh, this decision. Now, for mentioning the law in Eretz Yisrael, we actually find that the Rebbe did address and did acknowledge this issue from Tavshin Lamed Vav and onwards. Now, really earlier, in Tavshin Chavtes, we find a letter from the Rebbe to Shazar, where the Rebbe references a woman, and the Rebbe is referring to uh, Mrs. Gula Cohen, and in a letter that he had just written to her previously, the Rebbe writes, That sounds more like a pro-birth agenda, less anti-abortion per se, and it also doesn't seem related to, to the law, just as a social question. But in Vayikra Tavshin Lamed Vav, which, like I said, as far as I can tell, it was in the process of being passed, we find a lengthy uh, discussion about this, about this law in the middle of a sikha, the Rebbe says, Tanach is doch punkt wie mezakt, mitzvah gereres mitzvah, al derech zeh asas oich lehapech, can't say the opposite, lehapech, asas bringt an inyan bilti rotzui, so, starts with mir yehudi, and then, leads to the next thing. The Rebbe says, was das is, as letztens is dorten gewaren achoik, as memeg machen hapolis mulachusiyos, and in parentheses in the Shema, abortions. In case you wanted to know where it says that word, in Sichos Kaidesh. As in the last years, the Rebbe says, this is something that even the Grum Shabu don't have it on that scale. 50,000. 
The Rebbe says it can't be, it's not, a, it's not a secret, because if you're working on that scale, you need to have, you need to have uh, places, if the Abbati Choylem, the Lashon here is, after the uh, clinics where you can do this, and it can't be a secret, because 50,000 in a population of 3 million at the time is not something you can keep a secret. And that's the number that we know about, the Rebbe says, who knows about what we don't know about. And they, whoever the Rebbe is criticizing, they're not meicha. If you hear something like this, how can you stay seated there in the government, presumably? The only ones making a tumult are the doctors, and they're putting their livelihood on the line by doing this, and they're tumbling. And later the Rebbe continues and says, this Indian is the Chagafer Lechazach, Befrat, that you have a Rebbe, and the growth by Yidin is 10% Legabe, and that's because by Yidin Machman Hapolos, you can imagine what will be in a few years. And there's more on it there, you can check it out. I didn't have time to check every small detail, but seemingly this is criticism against the Maftal, the religious Zionist party that was part of the coalition then under Rabin. But from the Rebbe, it sounds like there was no other macha, at least not from the Mafdal. And we know the Rebbe is more likely to uh, say something when no one else is. And particularly here, where the Rebbe is sort of adducing and adding it to his broader attack about Mir Yehudi. But as time went on, especially after it was passed, it's not fully, the timeline isn't fully clear to me, especially with the Lashon of the Sikha, but based on when we see now that it was passed, we see that as time went on, there were protests from at least the Haredim in Eretz Yisrael. In 1977, also, Agudas Yisrael entered the coalition, the new coalition under Begin. So they were involved now. And there was a lot of discussion about fixing the law. And the way I understand it is, is that originally one of the categories that permitted abortion was for social reasons. You can make the case that right now, socially, it doesn't work out whatever the standard was exactly. And that was the particular object of, uh, of ire from, from a people. Unlike other parts, it says, for example, under 17 and over 40, automatically, sounds like no questions asked. So that doesn't exactly seem to match halacha either although maybe we can learn something from the fact that the Frumma focused more on the social question and not the other ones. But as time, over time, it seems like it was fixed, it was changed uh, with uh, the Haredim's intervention, and it was removed. It's not clear to me exactly when. We'll see soon that the Rebbe was still talking about it at the end of the Mems, but you'll see how the Rebbe refers to it, though. So during this period, from this time, from this period on, we see the Rebbe acknowledging these activities in various ways. So really, right in Tav Shalom Zion, there's a letter from the Rebbe to Rav, where the Rebbe says, I don't, I don't know what else I can do, in addition to what I've already done, not all of it is known, and in addition to the G'dayli Yisrael that have already, uh, have already released their Kolkaitas. But in Tav Shalom Ches, the Rebbe writes to Rav, it's printed in the Esophos, look at the Sikhs Chilek Chaf, I presume it was included this year in Igris Kodesh Chilik Lamet Gimel. Didn't have a chance to check. The Rebbe says, You want a tactic that's, that's effective? 
היא שנשי ישראל, הדורס בארץ ישראל, יפגינו בדיבור ובכסב ובאסיפס פומביאס. Women, Jewish women at Israel, should protest in speech and in writing and in public gatherings, which is a surprising thing to see, based on other things that have been said about women in protests. It says, כיוון שעיקר הטיינה שבגולי של הצד הלאום הזה, הרי היא זכויות האישה בארץ הקדש. The whole argument is women's rights, and we need the women to be the face of this campaign, publicly. And the Rebbe concludes the letter, והשם יסבורך יצליחו בעבידוסי בקדש, להעמד הדוס על תילו, בפרט בחוי כנגיה ופגיה בילודה של רבוביס מישראל. So this is the Rebbe consulting, giving consultation ideas to people involved in this arena. We find additional mentions here and there throughout the Mems, but it's particularly in the Sikh of Chayisar Memtes, just a few days after the very nasty elections of Memchas Memtes, 1988, which Dagla split off, and the whole election essentially revolved around Chabad, and we know how much the Rebbe got involved then, uh, in, an, in an unusual way in the political uh, campaign, in the election campaign. But a few days later, Shabbos, the Rebbe gave, Rebbe delivered a talk on Achtos. Let's, let's move on, let's try to reconcile. And as a centerpiece, the Rebbe mentions fixing this law. The Rebbe says, so much of the argument has to do with putting the government together, but there are some things you don't even have to wait for the coalition for, right? Because in Israel, after the election, then... It, of weeks or months of trying to put the coalition together. The question would be, would both parties be in the coalition or not? And would they have uh, different conditions, uh, etc.? But there are some things you don't even need to wait for because it's already been taken care of. And there might even be a law in the books and it's just not being, uh, it's just not being enforced properly. So that could be, the Rebbe says, that could be a perfect uh, theme for a mutually beneficial, a reconciliation, that can bring everyone together. It's already a law. Everyone's already on board. So now we can just figure out how to execute, how to carry it out, how to enforce it, to find maybe, to point someone to make it his, his cause. So for example, the Rebbe says two religious-related laws. One is Chok Sheoser HaPalot, except, and then it says in parentheses, except in special cases of danger with a special medical uh, approval. So, interesting that they're acknowledging that somewhat. And a law that prohibits Natuche Mesim, um, which was a big issue for Haredim for many years in Eretz Yisrael, the autopsies without the family's permission. Rebbe says these laws were already passed, but they're not being enforced properly, they're not being kept for whatever reason. So we can have a double benefit, we can fix the problem, and it can be a method for negotiation, for reconciliation, for bringing the two parties together. The Rebbe says, why did I choose these? Because I'm a Negev I want people to forgive to follow Shulchan Aruch. But if you don't want that, you can pick something financial. Why am I mentioning all of this? So here we see, and if the Rebbe wants to, the Rebbe is certainly able to join these types of discussions regarding laws, even if Lav Davke, this is the top issue on the Rebbe's agenda. So in comparison to that, back to the American law, silence. Of course, 
there's the fundamental difference that uh, in Eretz Yisrael, it's like basically one large Jewish community. So obviously the Rebbe wants to influence the observance of Torah Mitzvahs in every Jewish community everywhere in every aspect. But the question is, what, what is our attitude when you have a non-Jewish country where Jews are a tiny minority and most of the Jews are already not observant? Sometimes you could say, like I mentioned before, that the Rebbe tended to focus on topics that no one else is addressing. Like it sounded like uh, in Tav Shalom Advav with abortion then at the time. The Rebbe says, they're not talking about. So therefore, Nituchei Mesim, the autopsies, the whole form of Alts, storming for a, a long time. But even though surely the Rebbe cared about it just as well, but the Rebbe never seemed to join the tumult. And the, the simple reason, seemingly, is others are already on it. So we don't need to join, we don't need to get on board with that. That's its own discussion, its own question as to how the Rebbe did or didn't work in concert with other uh, from uh, leaders. But at any rate, even when if it's not a top issue, but usually you see references here and there. And particularly in this instance, it's not as if the Fremen community in the United States had uh, a declared view on this topic. As to whether we should be involved, whether we should have a say, whether we should try to influence one way or the other. Right? The, the very, very from uh, their shit that usually is, we don't care about what uh, everyone else is doing. The worse they are, the better. And we just feel better about ourselves. Right? So, it would be interesting to look. I didn't, uh, I didn't do this in particular to see were there any other major Abanim or Jewish organizations that had something to say during this period. Can't check, can't check every single detail. Maybe others know. Maybe they'll let me know. But anyway, if the Rebbe, Davka the Rebbe has a special shit in Shavu Mitzvah B'nai Nayach, so if no one else in the film community necessarily knows one way or the other, you would expect that the Rebbe should have something to say. Maybe we'll still find something, but as of now, I asked, I looked, I haven't found. To ask this question another way, now we'll talk a little, uh, we'll get a little bit into politics, but uh, ultimately I want to get to the, the Torah Deca part, to the Mekairis, looks like it's going to be uh, in part two. But since the end of the 70s, there's this general idea, this general concept that our, that this, that this nation is divided. You have conservatives versus liberals, progressives, right versus left, which more or less corresponds to Republicans versus Democrats. Until the 70s, it wasn't necessarily so straightforward, so cut and dried. And even subsequently, it took a long time till everyone got on board with viewing it through this lens. At this point today, it's almost impossible to look at it any other way. But it started, you could say, the dates back to around then. And in fact, you already start seeing certain voices in the Frum Oilam making this argument, even though traditionally Jews leaned more Democrat. In particular, we find this with Rabbi Victor Miller. Rabbi Victor Miller was an American boy. He was, you could say, in a sky of Yiddishkeit through Lubavitcher Chassid in Baltimore, but from Elia Aksarod, sat with him, learned Gemara with him, gave him a time in learning. And ultimately, down the road, he actually traveled back to Europe, went to the Yeshiva Sinlita. After a few more stops in his life, he ended up as a Rav in Flapush. Okay, maybe at the final step, I think it was Flapush. And uh, he was like, a, you could say, a local flatbush goddle, somewhere in that realm. 
very influential on the yeshivish Olam here in Brooklyn. He's famous for some of his books, and particularly for his shiurim, because he used to do open questions and answers. He'd answer any question in the world, and no matter how interesting. And he didn't hesitate to speak about politics. Until today, he passed away in 2001, but until today he has big fans, and they're actually, uh, I think as every day go, passes, they're typing up more and more of this material from these tapes and putting it online. You can find a lot of interesting material to, to say it, to, to understate it. You know, I have an uncle who's a uh, but he also writes on other topics. So he wrote an article during the last elections where he was writing his memories of the elections of 1980, Carter against Reagan. And he describes how the, the religion, the from organizations, uh, Aguda, etc. So they were, they stood with Carter. But the streets, Ocean Parkway, they were with Victor Miller, they were with the Jewish press, they were all arguing that you can't vote for the left, you have to vote, you have to vote for the right. He right, describes it at length. So, in my view, that's around when you start seeing this trend of hatred to the left and love or support for the right. It's interesting to point out in passing is that Dafka, right then, the Rebbe had a special sicha, Yud Shvat, between the elections and the inauguration, where the Rebbe says it's not fair what's being done to the outgoing president just because he lost. Just because he lost, that means that you can say whatever you want about him. You have to have a karasatoy for the good things that he did, which is very interesting in that context. At any rate, if you search online, you'll find all kinds of uh, colorful quotes from Victor Miller on these topics. Would, uh, would play well on the radio. You know, it would, in theory. Um, and the sense is today that about you know, 90%, if not more, of the Fremont is pretty much on that page. That's where everyone pretty much is. And again, to- seemingly total silence from the Rebbe on this front, even though this was an issue that was already developing at the time. And again, seemingly, in the name of Shemitah Zbrinayach, we have a strong argument to make that the left is trying to undermine religion, religious practices, religious uh, values. The right is standing up and fighting for it. So, in addition to what we think about particular individual laws, should we ignore which party seems to be on board with promoting our values and which is against? And again, it seems like total silence from the Rebbe, at least... That's my impression. And even after you subtract, well, clearly Chabad doesn't really want to be perceived as political, as partisan, although today not everyone seems to even think so anymore, or maybe they think today it's important to look partisan, but seemingly the Rebbe could have found the opportunity to at least express generally which direction we lean in. And uh, as, far as, as far as we know, still nothing. So I want to suggest a certain general direction. Can't take a chrayas to attribute it directly to the Rebbe. First of all, because you need to go through 100 pieces of information, or hundreds, to get to a proper maskana, or even a half-proper maskana. Uh, and also because so much of what we're talking about is just the absence of, of the Rebbe's being silent. It's hard to build a shitta from that. And b'chlal, nothing I'm saying is you know, etched in stone. It's a discussion, opening a discussion. Right, so, okay, we're, we're going to have to pause soon, but uh, that's, that's the plan. So let's say you have a Frumiyid. Frumiyid buys in fully to the, the right, the political right. And he's 
very upset about the old law, pro-murder, very excited about the old decision. He's excited about the upcoming decision. Is this an expression of being from, being loyal to Torah, or is this an external influence from following politics? Because if we're just concerned about the Torah, take a look there in the Rambam, the same halacha, perektas halacha dalad, v'cheinem hara agredev shiyachal atzile be'echad me'ivarav, naragalav. You kill a redev, instead of just uh, maiming him, naragatzertzicha. So according to Yiddishkeit, you're not allowed to shoot to kill for no, without other input information data, except for above Machteras. Even above Machteras, it depends very much on the context. You have to gauge if this is truly a case of above Machteras. But Afghan, in the more right-leaning states, you find laws like the Castle Doctrine about protecting one's property. You can be proactive in protecting your property which according to some versions of it, to my understanding, it's possible you're allowed to shoot to kill even if you're technically, you don't have any grounds for assuming that this mom, the guy's mamish, b'vchinas above machteres, is here to kill you. And beyond that, you have stand your, stand your ground laws, which means that any street fight, any uh, run-in with someone, if you feel threatened, so the way it's described is, you have a license to kill, you can shoot first, ask questions later, and claim self-defense. Those who are opposed to these types of laws call them shoot-first laws. Just a few months ago, a study came out. You don't have to believe every study, but they estimate that due to these types of laws, there are 700 more homicides, killings, a year. Yeah, you don't have to believe everything, but that's, that's the argument. So here we're literally talking about executing someone in broad daylight, not just talking about fetuses. And whoever lives in these states essentially has the right to carry out these executions. I'm not sure if I'm the first one to make this point or I've heard others make this point before. So when the politics are reversed, do we feel the same, uh, do we feel the same excitement, the same passion? Uh, just one more example and we'll pause. What about uh, the same This is, depending on which variation of this, might be political or not. So you have pulling the plug, that's, that corresponds to the traditional political divide, you right and left. But what about organ donation? Right? The Frum Oilam, also the Frum Oilam says that in order to donate, you need a, the, the person needs to be brain dead with a heart beating. And most from people hold that that's Ritzicha. Can't uh, start taking organs out of someone whose heart is beating even if they're brain dead. And that's why they're not signing, they're not checking the box, they're not participating. What about everyone else who's doing it? Isn't it Ritzicha? Are you allowed to even accept uh, an organ in, in this type of situation if it's a result of Ritzicha? Seemingly more of an apolitical, a non-political question. Does this also uh, evoke the same uh, excitement? Okay, we're going to have to pause here, but either tomorrow or the next occasion we will be Mamshuk. Yes, Hashem.